far side. Got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills. What a pair of hands. Layman showing blitz. There's the blitz. yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champions. Yeah. All right, guys, welcome to the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I'm your host this evening, Kami Amurabian, joined by Stephen Brown. Stephen, how are we doing today? Uh, we're good. A lot less sunburn than last week, a lot more energy. So uh, we came prepared, which is a, a good week. Break- it seems like it's uh, a lot more news this week. Tonight, yeah, a, lot, a lot more breaking news. I mean, you texted me earlier on today um, said, hey, we may have news tonight. And I was like, uh, OK. And then I just like later on, I think I was like, what kind what kind of news? And then. <laughs> you're like not don't say this don't <laughs> say this to anybody not even these trusted individuals over here and then that turnip seed is indeed uh leaving the program being called a resignation uh not necessarily a guy that's um that is leaving to take another job not a guy that's necessarily being fired there are rumors of um, him just wanting to be uh, go go back home to South Carolina and to be a grandfather of his of his new uh, grandchildren. Um, and do you also have the uh, folks that would suggest that uh, you know Oklahoma just uh, leaked out some renderings of a new stadium and everything or not new stadium, but uh, things around the stadium and athletic facilities, et cetera, because that is his forte as we saw at Alabama and at Clemson as well. And that uh, we have some people suggesting that maybe this is compliance related as far as money and um, or or just money related in general, uh, as far as Thad's job is concerned. And so let's just start right there because that just came hot off the press right before we were about to podcast and you've been talking about it and kind of back channeling it uh, during the day seemingly. So like what was your initial knee jerk reaction? Cause mine was bad. Yeah, I would say just the timing of it felt weird. Um, Especially with the the renderings of the fake renderings that came out today. Um, They end up being, that's another architectural firm. That's not the one that got approved, but it's gonna be somewhat similar to that design. Uh, maybe it had to do with that leak, but then you look, it's just a YouTube channel that leaks stuff all the time. So uh, I thought it was something either, you know, like contractually related as far as just keeping the info secret, like an NDA or something like that, or maybe, you know, there was some sort of conflict in the AD's office, something like that. But uh turns out that the word on the street right now is that Thad just kind of wants to hang it up, kind of wants to be the family man. His daughter's back in South Carolina, uh, about to have a baby, so he just wants to adopt a new lifestyle. 
what are you going to do if he's at South Carolina and ends <clears throat> up on Beamer's staff or back at Clemson? I, I told you I don't think he ends up at Clemson um, for a variety, variety of reasons there because he's just done so much for Clemson. I don't think there's anything else he could necessarily accomplish. And I think when he came to OU and kind of did a couple of interviews here and there, he talked about, it's like, hey, at Clemson, I've done all I could do. At Bama, I could do all I could do. There's there's nothing more for me there, so Oklahoma's the next project. Uh, and so at Oklahoma, has he done all that he's been able to do, or are there things that may be impeding his progress, do you think? I think he's done a lot of it. I think with those renderings coming out today, you kind of see where they're at on the project as far as like, and, right, and speak the, to that. Like, what, are, what, are, what are the what are the what are the plans? What are the renderings kind of like describe to the people that don't really get on Twitter or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So the initial renderings they show, um, if you don't already know, Oklahoma doesn't have a hundred yard practice field. They don't even have I think they have like one that's 80 and the other one's 60 or 50, something like that. That's a uh, but these renderings shows two full-size practice fields, uh, the film towers like you see at Alabama, the big programs in the NFL. So um, you're looking at more of a professional-style practice facility, a uh, three-story facility that kind of meets everything together with a locker room, dining hall, film rooms. I mean, you, you pretty much name it. It's going to be in that facility that also connects to the indoor facility and the weight room. So the entire project's about basically efficiency, and not having to walk around this this campus to do so much it's everything's just ease of use it's all right there mm -hmm. um so in that regard it seems like the planning stage is phased and that's where it's done and that's where that kind of maybe takes a step back because his contract at oklahoma i think it only has like six months left on it and yeah, it was only for two years yeah and he's out the door so yeah he's done done a lot i think at this point, you might feel comfortable enough to either, you know, pass it off or just take a step back. And, and that's what's happening. For the cynics like myself, um, do you think this could have anything to do with <clears throat> other pieces of money that flow into the program? I think that there's some of that. I think when he when he came to Oklahoma, everything when Brent Venables arrived was just everything was shiny again. Everything was me great. Sure. I think once you kind of step into that job and you realize, okay, there's a lot more work here than maybe we anticipated. And in that regard, that's with the donors and trying to rally everything with an IL. Uh, it wasn't all just give, give, give. I mean, you had to work for it. You have to do so many meetings. You have to you know, shake hands, kiss babies, that kind of thing. So I think there's more more work there, and, and there still needs to be more work there than people realize. Yeah, and that's, I mean... And when you balance that against, you know, designing an entire new football operations facility, I can see how that, that begins to weigh heavy. Do you think the SEC, in seeing what they're doing after this year and into next year will really kind of, I don't know, light a fire under the boosters asses or you at least some will. like think Ole Miss today just announced their collective called just the, it's like the Grove and they just like have a conglomerate of 50 NIL things all in one package. Um, and OU's trying to consolidate, but it's not the best. 
it's a work in progress. Certainly lagging in a kind of like kind of a theater in which you need to have NIL set up really, really, really well. And Oklahoma, it's not like their NIL is like completely garbage. It's gotten a lot better. Um, it's it's gotten a lot better, like you said, but they lag far behind several sec institutions that win on a yearly basis that go to bowl games on a yearly basis. And, uh, that's concerning. I mean, do I think Brent Venables and company is going, are, are going to get that done within a matter of one season. And unless they like win 11 games, probably not. Um, it's so, yeah, sure. There, there might be some sad family business. Cool. Awesome. Go be a grandpa. Uh, but it's certainly a jolt to the system. I mean, this is the guy that everybody thought, you know, fad turnip seed, uh, lots of Twitter, uh, names based off of him because the guy puts in facilities and he makes your program look like you mentioned nice and shiny again. And, bigger and better and more attractive for to recruits and more um maintaining of uh high uh of high performance technology that the play the current players even get and the coaches even get and like you mentioned the cohesiveness the connectivity between all of these things to make it so much more simpler as well just for a football operations aspect i mean his title was as executive director of football administration. That's one hell of a title <laughs> if I've heard one. Uh, and so, I mean, like uh, we, we talked before the podcast, like who might be next in line, but it's like, geez, like, you know, it's, it is right before July. They likely already have a guy in mind or guys in mind as Brent apparently possibly delivered team uh, the the news to the team today, but uh, it's uh, certainly different. Certainly different feeling uh, going on to that. Do you have anything else to say about the Thad Turnip Seed stuff? Because I mean, like here here's my entire thing. If the boosters are not willing to shed cash off their off their pockets and still want those double digit wins from the big 12 to where it was easy to get those double digit wins with high end talent. And then you go to the sec. And even if you have high end talent, that doesn't mean that equates to double digit wins. And so if it was like that in the big 12, you would hope that they would step up their game to the sec. If donors were indeed like the actual, an actual root issue. Um, and it's, it's just, you worry about falling behind. You worry about becoming a stepping stool to a program. Like if that turnip seed ends up at the university of South Carolina in three years, I'm going to lose my damn mind <laughs> because it's like effectively Oklahoma becoming a stepping stool. And of course, like the optics are bad. The optics are bad, right? Like, of course, Oklahoma's not a stepping stool to University of South Carolina. It's just not that, just not. Uh, but 
it looks horrifying, right? Uh, to, to that to that effect, if it were to happen. Uh, but what like, do you have any other other thoughts on the matter? I mean, I don't really want to talk about it for much longer. <laughs> uh, as far as like where they go now, I mean, you look at Joe Siglione. He's a guy that that has dealt with renovations before. Obviously, a guy that that took care of the South End Zone. So they may not need to hire a guy. Maybe Joe just takes it over. You know. Or, Someone you know, there's, say it's there's... time for Joe to go. That's a little drastic. I mean, what is what has he done to be to to be fired or like let out the door? Would be my answer to that. It's going to be a lot of people. Don't point to uh, Porter Moser. That there's going to be a lot of people that point at compliance. It's going to be a lot of people that point at money. It's going to be a lot of people that point uh... at. I think compliance Red is surrounding all of the money side of the, the university. Yeah. There's going to be so a lot of really... people talk, talking about all the money and Joe C being a keeper of money of sorts. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. Well, I guess as far as like NIL, I think the struggle with Oklahoma is that it's just, it's so new that people don't grasp what it technically means. Like people just see NIL is like, Oh, we're going to pay players. Yep. But like they don't know. Okay, there's like three different NIL collectives right now, or two different NIL collectives. You know, two, three years down the road, when all these things merge together, you're gonna get a better understanding of what an NIL collective does, what it can do for you, mm -hmm. you know, all et cetera. But right now, it's it's in the early adoption phase, and I just don't think Oklahomans or Oklahoma fans are quite grasping it just yet. Sure. And that's I not Dad's fault. That's not anyone's fault. That's just kind of right. how Oklahoma is. And it could be just as simple as, like we mentioned earlier, Dad just wants to be a grandpa. Who knows? Don't know. Uh, there's been no official statement of, especially from Dad or Brent. I imagine. I mean, it's Thursday night at nine o'clock, and they broke the news at like eight thirty. Uh, you know, right before Friday, to where everybody maybe talks about it or there's like, it's like a Friday news. It's like a pre Friday news dump. Um, <laughs> but as far as weird, like where they go, cause I think we touched on it and kind of briefly went out, but I think maybe Joe takes over the renovations or finishes out the renovations and someone else kind of does the other duties as far as, you know, being the legal guy, being the guy that kind of organizes some of the operation stuff, kind of like, you know, the assistant to Brent Venables. Sure. Guy. Sure. And so speaking of Brent Venables, uh, after renovations, Oklahoma's got some commits, a couple more commits since the last time we podcast. Uh, they got a, it depends on what recruiting service you use uh, for both of these guys and Wyatt Gilmore, uh, defensive end slash edge. She's a kind of three, four star guy, uh, fringe six, four, two fifty five from Minnesota. And then you have finally Xavier Robinson actually hits the commit button. Uh, get again, fringe three, four star, depending upon what service you use, running back slash H back. I imagine, I mean, he's 6'2, 220, and he's all that of 220, and maybe even a little bit more. He looks pretty massive. And then they're also investing in more quarterbacks, which, of course, looking at the quarterback room right now, you've got Dylan Gabriel. Davis Bevel. Oh, gosh. Uh, you've got Jackson Arnold. 
you've got general booty you've got uh sperry and so i would imagine you know taking a couple quarterbacks in this class makes ton of sense because you don't have to rely on all these transfers etc uh so they're like looking at samaj jones from philadelphia and so tell me about because we talked about xavier robinson we expect him to be more of an h-back kind of guy he's kind of bigger kind of thicker but can still play in the backfield maybe more of a body type that surrounds like kind of like a dimitri flowers than a mikey henderson sort of h-back if you will but Tell me about Wyatt Gilmore. Uh, is there anything I should be <laughs> excited about here? I feel like you're just baiting me into uh, to saying he's the next Ethan Downs. I didn't say it. I feel like that's what, what's happening right there. I think a lot of people are saying it, though. No, I think there's there's some differences. I think you're just going to point to like the 6'4 white guy on the end, but... Uh, Wyatt Gilmore, a guy that, that shows a lot of power, very active with his hands. Um, I think he could probably stack on another 20 or so pounds without losing a step. And I, I wouldn't call him the fastest guy in the field, but uh, he gets the quarterback a lot. He's a very active runner. Um, so he's a guy that I think a lot of people look at it and like, oh, okay, we're not getting Williams Ranieri. We got uh, Wyatt Gilmore. This is just great. But he's a guy that I think could be a serviceable player. I don't think he by any by any means he's gonna be the guy, but if you have him next to David Stone or Williams Ranieri or something like that, it's a completely I mean it's a good piece to have in your defense. And so like that's the that's the next question is when does this guy bulk up to bulk up twenty to thirty more pounds and play inside because <laughs> I am so damn jaded they can't get an, anybody on the interior defensive line. Like Jonah Laulu. Thirty pounds seems like a lot, but twenty pounds I think he could do it and still stay on the edge. That's what Jonah Laulu's doing. The man was like I don't I don't know that's how a band-aid. much that's a band I don't know how much he weighed last year, but it's it's Oklahoma's been dealing with band-aids for the last how many years then? Like you've got a guy that's 260, 270, <laughs> and they're like, ah, just put him inside. They don't fit inside. And uh, I'm gonna lose my mind. Uh and so it's yeah, I, I'm just jaded about the entire situation. But why Gilmore? I, I mean be some some excitement around Gilmore because I, he's just a guy that a, he's a football player. He's physical, likes to tackle, but he's also very active. So um, a guy that, I mean, people are going to say Ethan Downs. I would say, oh, man, Austin English or something like that, maybe. Austin English is a name I haven't heard in a while. Not like a yeah. super high-end guy, but just a solid player. When is somebody like, I don't know, like Eth- uh, not Ethan, uh, Reggie Grimes, or uh, oh, who's who's the other end that was highly touted as a four star in the same class? It might have been in. A, I think it's in a later class. I think it's like a retro sophomore. Uh, R. Mason Thomas. Now he's more of an edge guy, though. Yeah, strong side. Re- regardless, when are like is are like <laughs> Someone on all the are. Are all the other edges just not not edges? Are all the other de- strong side defensive ends like not panning out? I mean, you only have one real class of them so far, 
and they kind of whiffed on, on, on a few guys, and that's not their fault. Well, it is because they went six and seven, but yep. you get what you get. So, But if they land this class, it, it solves a lot of problems really fast. If. It's always if. Like we start the year with like, hey, Oklahoma can get these five guys on defense and then it dwindles to four, three, two. And it's like, if we just get that one and then I'm, I become jaded just that. And like the one guy transfers out in the middle of summer. Yep. One guy transfers out Aaron parks, uh, just short of July decides to enter the transfer portal. And like, to be, to be honest, I'm pretty sure he saw the writing on the wall, right? I mean, it, it seemed pretty clear that he was not going to start for Oklahoma, that the kids in front of him, the guys that were younger, the freshmen, the sophomores, they were much better, or not, I wouldn't say much better, but they were definitely going to get more snaps than he was and, and gave in live game time than he was. And so it seemingly was natural. Is, is that the read that you have on it? Yeah, I don't think anyone's maybe surprised is an answer, but I don't think anyone's disappointed in Aaron Parks leaving because when you look at it, he was a, a backup to a true freshman. Yep. Basically. So come on now. Oh, the end is weird was Gilliam. Gilliam, who is who I was thinking of. He'll be inside. He'll be an inside guy. He when he was recruited as an edge. And so does you know just move move another band-aid in. He's gotta get stronger. So this is a big, big off off season for him, but He'll definitely play on the inside. But Aaron Parks, to me, uh, just looked like a guy that knew he was not going to get snaps. And I thought hit the portal way too late. I thought he was going to hit the portal a lot sooner. I mean, it would make more sense. Uh, I mean, but at the same time, there's so many programs that are going to take a large human being and maybe not at, a power five conference level at this point in time, but somebody, uh, you know, in a group of five would take it, would take it. I wouldn't say take a chance, but take a swipe, swipe at him, or uh, maybe even a, a, some higher echelon F FCS team uh, as we've also seen as well. Um, we've seen that across all the sooner transfers. Yeah. I think he would end up back in the DMV area. If I had to guess. Gosh. Um, Oh, who also ended up back in uh, Ricky DeBerry ended up back in the DMV area yeah. in Tau Towson. But is Towson the DMV area? I don't know. I just know he, he transferred like two or three times and Towson is, I think where he ultimately ended up at, but Xavier Robinson, how much does he move the needle for Oklahoma? Does, like, does he move the needle really for you? I think so. His it's teammates depend on... with 2025 quarterback commit Kevin Sperry. That helps. Helps a lot with that relationship. But, um, yeah, I, th I think he's just a body type that they haven't had. He's a guy that uh, he only played one year at running back, and he's just super natural at it. So um, I'm excited to see what he does this season. I think what his role as far as just being, is he going to be a running back or is he going to be an H-back? Is be more dependent on the nutrition and Jerry Smith and see kind of where his body evolves. But right now, sure. I know a lot of people are saying H back. I could see him just staying a running back, just being a traditional running back there. 
Yeah, no, and, and like, I can see traditional running back. That's like a really like third down guy, third down back. Uh, I could see him playing that dual role, basically uh, doing what Mikey Henderson did, doing what Dimitri Flowers kind of did sometimes, which is just put him back there as a running back and playing both positions. It kind of fluid with fluidity. Yeah, my only thing is like he's not really a pass catcher. I think you saw him more like because he has he's got hands because he's gotten some interceptions as a linebacker, but as a route runner, I just haven't really seen much. Sure, makes sense. And I guess we'll get to see that with it, with two Sooners operating in that backfield with Carl Oliver this coming year. And with this coming year, Big 12 Media Days, I was really curious who was going to be represented. I thought, okay. Not that. Who's going to, yeah, not that. That's <laughs> out. That's a, that's grandpawing out of this. Um, what I love about all the renovations specifically for the athletics is that totally benefits the recruits. Even with the ones that were already on the board that are going to happen, despite the press box not happening, probably it benefits the recruits and recruiting aspect of it, especially when parents are up there benefits, definitely the players benefits, the staff uh, benefits, the softball players. Uh, because athletically, uh, they have definitely earned more than earned that. Lloyd Noble Center, they do not care about basketball. And the SEC, quite frankly, I mean, they're going to a good conference. That, I mean, they've got good some they've got some good basketball teams, um, but they're not a basketball conference by any means. I mean, the Big Twelve, good basketball conference. Big Ten, the. You have some, you have you have some blue bloods there. Uh, a, the ACC with Duke. I mean, how can you get around that? Uh, but LNC, not a thing. They are still rocking with that. <laughs> that I think they're just going to move away with it. They're going to do the the locker rooms getting a, a renovation in the LNC. Is but it going to everything smell like else, popcorn like the rest of the building? Like, like probably no popcorn has been popped, and that building still smells like five day old <laughs> popcorn. Uh, I can't comment on that one, but I think they're going to throw some money at the locker room, and that will be that with LNC. Jeez. Either they're going to do whatever that new arena was, kind of up north near Moore, or. Mm-hmm. Do the field house, which field house is pretty small, but Unless you'd you be able to. It. Yeah, <laughs> always look more, look more full. Like you go to ESPN. Like, I think they'll like still middle. do the uh, the athletic center up north. Hmm. It's just farther down the road. I'm a fan of doing McCaslin Fieldhouse just because it'll make it look more full and less depressing, especially when they have it on ESPN when it's like. Bedlam or Texas and Oklahoma, they show like the stands and you have the student section all decked out and all the other seats are like real spotty. It's like, yeah, that's a terrible look. Just go <laughs> do, just do something else. But uh big 12 media days are coming up. It's summer. This is like the crux of off season 
and actually making it to the season. July is just that month where you are kind of like in purgatory. And then August is when everything starts really just like coming in, coming in, coming in. And you really are finding out who's healthy, who's not healthy, who's going to play, who's not going to play, et cetera, those kinds of things. And so what I thought was interesting was Oklahoma came out with the guys they're bringing to Big 12 Media Days. And last year, they brought Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims, Woody Washington, and Ethan Downs. This year, they are bringing Dylan Gabriel, Drake Stoops, Danny Stutzman, and Jonah Ulu. Three of the guys they brought last year to media days are still on the team, but they are not going to media days. Uh, does that suggest anything to you? And I, I, I think I would think it's funny because I remember, you know, talking so much crap on Ethan Downs, <laughs> um, being on being at Big Twelve Media Days. Like, there's no way like he's only going to put on a smile and and praise Brent and everything the staff is doing. He's he's only going to praise Miguel Miguel Chavis. Okay. That's always going there to do and see how awesome the program is and how hard they're working. And uh, Chisholm was like, oh, no, if there's if they're sending him to Big 12 Media Days, they're a player. Well, look what happened in the end. So does this say anything to you, or is this just Brent switching it up just like changing captains week to week? Um, It might have something to do with, like, just who stood out in the spring, like who, who developed in those spring practices in that spring game as leaders, maybe. But other than that, like I, I don't want to say I don't care, but I just don't read too much into it. I look at it and I see Dylan Gabriel and Drake Stroop, Stoops, and I say, okay, those two make a lot of sense. Dylan Gabriel, he's the quarterback of the team, makes sense. Even keel guy, very you know calm, cool, collected, very nice guy. Uh, Drake Stoops, I mean, he's the legacy of the the most you know winningest coach in OU. Uh, football history. He's won all the BCS bowls, yada, yada. He won a national title. He's the son of a guy that's going to be, you know, he has a stat, his, his own damn statue. Okay. On campus and came back for a sixth, co- a sixth year COVID year uh, to be Oklahoma's what second best receiver possibly, or second leading pass catcher, if you will, maybe hopefully not the first. Uh, Cause if he is, you got some problems. Uh, in that wide receiver core for being quite honest with each other. So I thought those two totally made sense. Danny Stutzman. He's the guy that I thought possibly. Maybe I could see it with Brent. And Brent's kind of focus point on the linebackers. Maybe his maturation as a leader and his maturation as a football player within Brent's scheme, but also just being a happy go lucky, smiley goofball guy uh to bring to Big 12 Media Days. I mean, he's not the I wouldn't I'm not trying to characterize Danny Stutzman as stupid because that's not true. But he's not the most articulate person, I would say. I would say he's definitely a goofball. He's got a goofball mentality, but he knows how to be serious. But at the same time that one kind of just, it just kind of stood out to me. I mean, 
you had Woody Washington there last year. You have Key Lawrence there, who's emerging as a as a pretty uh, pretty uh, big name as far as being a leader and being very vocal in practices and taking snaps from Reggie Pearson and trying to lock down that role, or at least lock down the role a little bit more than he had before. And I was kind of a little, I was kind of surprised by Stutzman, but at the same time, not too surprised because he's your only returning linebacker that has real live Brent Venables game experience where the linebacker is the quarterback of that defense, really specifically in Brent's defense. The name that stood out to me was Jonah Ulu. What what is he doing there? I mean, I'm not so saying I, he doesn't <laughs> deserve to be. I'm not saying he just doesn't right. deserve to be there. But that that was a name that just I was like, what? What is 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 he then is he the Ethan Downs? He's the nice guy. Hey, I'm happy to be at Oklahoma. Yeah, I know I gained 20 pounds in the offseason. I'm playing so inside at defensive tackle now, and things are going well. You know, like what is <laughs> like what is going on there? So I just looked it up, and uh, Stutzman, Stoops, and Gabriel were the team captains against Florida State. So I was trying to see if Lalulu was on there, and he wasn't. So if I had to guess, it's just a matter of, hey, we need a guy inside. You know, we think you could be the guy. Do you want to do it? Or do you know, stay in your position, transfer out, whatever you want to do. And, and to his credit, Jonah Lalulu, you know, stuck to the position. He's put on the weight. You saw him, you know, in the spring game looking – I mean – Everyone looked good on the defense line in the spring game. It was, it was sure. awful. So, But maybe it's just a thing where it's like, hey, this is a guy that's doing everything for the team to make us better. Let's let's take him to media day. It's like a – Sounds like a, like a, <laughs> it sounds like it's like elementary school and like you do like you do so many good things and you get a star. I like, never got one. <laughs> Besides your name, sometimes I got merits and sometimes I got demerits, and I didn't get a chain, like a little cool, like a little little uh, keychain. I got so, some demerits. My first grade teachers, I mean, like, or what are they called? Whole... Was it the colored crayons? Yeah, you start At with least... green and. Yep. So sometimes we get keychains with uh with the like with the globe on it, so. Maybe he's gotten enough uh, star, good golden stars to go to the Big 12 media days, or maybe, maybe like you just, mentioned, he's just, he's just embraced the culture. Sure. And that's what they and want. That is a Brent philosophy and team, if I've ever heard one. So we just cracked the code right there. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, and, and I'm glad you looked that up as far as the team captains for Florida State. That does make sense. That tracks, right? I mean, Marvin Mims is out. Only natural Drake Stoops comes in. Heck, I was surprised Drake Stoops wasn't a team captain last year as far as... That was a little surprising. I could see Bob being like, hey, don't do not do it. Everyone's going to yeah. hate you. Don't put the coach's yeah. kid there. I could see that too. But still, though, you know, he just... He... It's very... It was... It is and was during last year very apparent how his teammates felt about him. And how he carried himself in comparison to other wide receivers that were on the roster. Yeah, I mean, out there. when you go back and look at the like the spring interviews right after the, the practices, everyone talks about Drake Stoops as being like, hey, this is the dude that knows everything. If you have a question about a route, whatever in the offense, we go to Drake. He, he prepares like uh, professionals. So um, I could see 
why they would just put him right there. Sure. And there's no yeah, other receivers. Sure. Besides Farouk. But. Yeah, Farouk. Then you got a bunch of guys that they say have made leaps and Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson, LV Bunkley, Shelton, Jaquez Petaway. I'll believe it when I see it. Austin Stogner maybe <laughs> is in there somewhere. He's the only tight end. I mean, uh, which tight end, which one of the young tight ends is out for the season? I think it's Helms. The, Helms? He, he not the back on his. No, the Wellen is hurt, but he will be good by fall. Okay. That's right. Helms that's right. set back on whatever he had surgery on. I think it was like knee Jeez. surgery. So that's that was another setback for the tight end room. And that's something else we need to discuss later on. Um, but yeah, I just I thought it was really interesting that drop of who is gonna go to the Big 12 Media Days. I mean, you know what answers you're gonna get out of Drake, you know what answers you're gonna get out of Gabriel. I'm pretty sure I can tell you what answers you're gonna get out of Laulu. Stutzman depends on if Brent talks to him before he gets off the plane or not, as far as what answers you're gonna get from him. He's he's your wild card, but he's the fun one. So, are you surprised that Rain isn't making the trip? Am I surprised that Rain is not making the trip? Right. Oh hell no, I'm not surprised. I I would be surprised if he was making the trip. Okay. And, I mean, yes, that's fair. Yeah. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? Um, a little bit. Really? Because, Why? I mean, you just got to give him the chance to to lead. See if he can do it. Might as well know now. He's had a lot of chances before, and there hasn't necessarily been the best response between him and the coaching staff. Uh, they said everything was right? good after the spring game, right? I'm sure everything so. was good. Uh, that was communicated out, though, right? That's, that's a sticky situation. I mean, I'm curious to see how I, I, I was thinking know, about that today. Be talked about somewhere. Some message boards be like, "Why isn't Andrew Rain?" Because who the, uh, who's, who's been taking a lot of snaps as, as true freshman at center too? Uh, Is it Bates? Kid from Colorado? Yeah, Bates. And like, but I don't think almost, he's gonna be ready. That's like, I think he has some good upside, but it doesn't sound like he's anywhere near prepared to step out there week one. Not a Creed Humphrey fair. situation. Or well, Creed could it be a Creed Humphrey situation where they had Jonathan Alvarez taking snaps at center and then midway through the season, Jonathan <clears throat> Alvarez mysteriously disappears from the program due to injuries. And then Creed comes in and starts the rest of the games and the offensive line immediately improves. And so like, that's why I have a lot of it's uh, not suspicions. About, yeah, it, it's it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation. I don't disagree that you got you have to give Rame the chance to lead, but that's what practice is for. He has so many opportunities to lead, and the scuttlebutt, which is a great word, I and mean, we should all be using it. Uh, and water cooler talk about him talking back to the coaches and not getting as many reps as he would want during the spring. I mean, that doesn't sound like a guy that's going to big to media days to me. You know what, you know what I mean? I just know it's going to be talked about. So I brought it up. Oh yeah. No, you're right. Like, and it's, it's, it's a fair thing to ask. Like your center is very, 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 very important to this, especially to this team. 
with young running backs, not a proven wide receiver per se. And not really, I mean, Dylan Gabriel shows flashes of being pretty awesome sometimes and just shows other stuff other times as well. <laughs> but, uh, man, that the center is so important, especially for the rest of the offensive line as well. Um, and so it's just it's just one of those weird things. But um, something that KRF said, uh, the KRF Sports, they came out with a tweet the other day. I thought it was actually really, really cool. Um, and I think they had Jason White as the picture because Jason White was from is from Tuttle. And they asked who is the most dominant Oklahoma high school player in any sport that you've maybe seen in person. And uh, I've been lucky enough to see a couple or a few at least. What are some... I'll start off and then I'll, I'll name a few. And then uh, we'll go from there. Like the first thing that popped in my head was Ryan Broyles. Okay. Uh, just because I, I I was a sophomore in high school and I was like, who is this dude? He's just killing more. And then I, I tweeted it out. And of course, um, one of the guys that I uh, went to school with, who's now a coach, um, can't remember where he's a coach at right now. Uh, Ryan McCall. So I'm calling you out, Ryan. Uh, mentioned he's like, yep, can confirm he killed us, <laughs> you know, pretty much. It was bad, and uh, it, like the score wasn't bad, but just bro- I mean, Ryan Broyles is Ryan Broyles, okay? Basketball was Trey Young, and I think that goes just pretty much unsolicited. Now, of course, I was I was a teen, uh, a teacher by then, and I remember talking to to one of the kids at in my class that was gonna have to guard Trey Young that night. I was just like, God be with you a young man like i'm sorry i'm sorry what's probably going to happen to you tonight and uh but then it came to my brain a little bit later Cade horton i saw that dude play uh football and baseball for norman high and this guy's getting selected top 10 in major leagues you know after after a year uh playing for uh, after after a year, uh, he he was he was supposed to play football along with baseball. Drops football uh, with Lincoln Riley still there. Goes baseball. Uh, they have that deep run into the College World Series, and he's viewed as a really high upside pitcher and gets drafted by the Cubs, I believed, and I believe. And so uh, those would be my three. So I've got I basically. I mean, both are football, but one turned into an amazing baseball prospect. I'm not that really big that ba- that big on baseball, and then basketball. Who, who is there any for you? Yeah, so I, I think I have two, and I never played against them because I was too young. I would, would have been in maybe middle school, like late middle school for these, or maybe like seventh grade. I don't know. But uh, one time, Blake Griffin came and, and played against us, and if you don't know, our middle school and high school were combined, so like if some team comes and there's like a really good player ever, like the whole school's going to go watch essentially. Sure. So uh, we saw Blake Griffin just torch us. Like, I think it was like 77 to two or three or something like that. Like we got one score, like one, one basket and mm. Blake Griffin just dunking pretty much the entire first half and didn't even play the second half. So um, that was impressive. Another one, I think it was at a football camp. I was in middle school. This would have been a high school camp, but they always brought the middle school kids to go watch and kind of get a feel for, for what they're into. Um, and Ron L. Lewis was there and it Ooh. was a, it was a helmets and pads, like shoulder pads, no 
no leg pads or anything, but they were doing some like contact drills, and I was just like, holy shit, I'm not going to play. Not going to play football. And it was eight-man football, too. So it was, it was a smaller camp. From Dewar, like, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. Eight-man like, football. Uh, I'm not going to play high school football. I eventually did because we moved uh, districts or something, so I wouldn't have to worry about it. But imagine that was probably being, the scariest guy. Imagine being, living in rural Oklahoma to the point where you have to play eight-man football and you have to line up against Ron L. Lewis at any point in any of their games. <laughs> the thing about eight-man eight football is most of the teams, because they're like just little like podunk teams, right? Yep. But there's always like one just massive dude, just like doesn't care for your life. He's going to murder you the entire game. Remember Ronald Lewis and the, uh, was it the Valero? No, not Valero. Was it the Sun Bowl when they played against Stanford and yeah, he just kept on killing people on kickoffs? Yeah, he had two of the kickoffs, and then I think they threw to the fullback. It wasn't Toby Gerhardt. I think it was the fullback and the flats, and Ronald Lewis just murdered him. God. Like, it would have been a targeting call in, in today's football. Oh, yeah. You could hear Easily. the pads just popping like crazy. And that dude would have been like, hey, you're not you're not allowed back on the field. We're going <laughs> to the locker room right now. I shouldn't let him back on the field. God, he the man <laughs> committed murder against Stanford. But yeah, it was, um, it was insane. Because it was like a low contact camp and Bruno mm-hmm. Lewis just made it a full contact camp. I'm into it. I'm just, uh, he would do such great things in his defense. But I've I've got a problem, especially well speaking of Oklahoma prospects as well, or just the prospects in general. Please stop com- like and this is just a general PSA. Please stop comparing players to Adrian Peterson. He is a generational athlete, not just within high school at Palestine in Texas, not Palestine in the Middle East. Not just at the University of Oklahoma, where he should have won the Heisman while he was there with Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, and Jason White, because that was the era of freshmen can't win the Heisman Trophy yet until Johnny Menzel broke it. And he was shut out of the Doak Award, uh, the Doak, Doak Walker Award for the best running back, despite Cedric Benson, rest in peace, despite Cedric Benson winning it, but not even being given an invitation to New York for the Heisman ceremony. So Adrian Peterson should have won the Doke and the Heisman his freshman year at Oklahoma. He is a generational talent in high school, in college, and in the NFL, where I think he was like eight yards short of the single-season rushing record from breaking Eric Dickerson's record. And he didn't know it until like after the game. I am so damn sick and tired of people comparing other athletes to Adrian Peterson. Just oh, just because he, this is his wingspan, this is how tall he is, this is how much he bench presses. I don't give a damn. Nobody is ever going to be Reg, uh, Reggie Reggie Pearson. Nobody's ever going to be Adrian Peterson. Just like nobody's ever going to be Reggie Bush. Just like nobody's ever going to be Kyler Murray. It it's not it's 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 apples and oranges. It's not fathomable. I mean, am I being outlandish here? Am I saying stuff that's like just ridiculous? No, but there's always someone on the internet that kind of wants to 
farm the likes the retweets or whatever social media platform you're on maybe it's a message board or something like that and they'll make that comparison it's like oh my gosh i watched adrian peterson in high school i watched him on youtube i saw that stuff that he did again in palestine this looks similar it, it just never is like people but there's, were, there's some clout chasing to it people have compared like dom whaley to adrian peterson while still on Whoa. campus because oh he did this Tough. many reps that's the same amount of reps as adrian peterson did and he i mean dom whaley did have a decent career as and until the injury people compared like what marcus major to adrian peterson because the Someone measurables did. once again it's like stop it Someone nobody had. will ever live up to that hype because they're Someone not that the paper the newspaper that people still read i mean i remember demarco murray coming through and people were like this is the next coming of a running back but nobody compared him to adrian peterson because he was a totally different kind of back if he was a yeah. ground and pound kind of guy that wasn't gonna run around hype. running through you yeah they had similar hype and that's totally fine right totally fine He's a five-star running back. He's going to run around you. He's going to juke you out of your shoulders. He's going to do jujitsu and then run 10 yards down the sideline and hop into the end zone in, during the Red River shootout. But he's not going to be Adrian Peterson. Nobody's ever going to be Adrian Peterson again. So not stop. Even, like Mixon was a big deal when he committed. But even yep. then, no one was like Adrian Peterson. Maybe yep. they were. I don't know. That was a long time ago. Mixon is, Mixon is so is such a unique running back because he has such a great combination of speed and power that it was really hard to put him anywhere as an athlete. Now, it, it's nobody's ever like again. And that's another name, Joe Mixon at OU. Despite all of the dumb crap he has done in his life, and allegedly or not allegedly, right? Um, nobody's comparing him to Adrian Peterson. It's the talent is fine. Stop comparing people to Adrian Peterson. It's not going to happen for a long time. Like I'm, I'm just tired of it. And again, we got to talk about it. So I saw this, I saw, I, I occasionally go to social media websites, my phone, like Facebook, just to clear notifications. It's like, oh, somebody's birthday is coming up. It's like, okay, cool. And I click on notifications and then it gets rid of the notification and I'm done. It's whatever. I should just delete the app because I don't use it. Um, but then I saw this one. They said, I just want to, and it was about Oklahoma fans needing to be more rowdy during games heading to the SEC because the docile crowds of the Big 12 are not the crowds that we as fans and as people following the Sooners that, that we will experience in the SEC next season after this, the, the, the one coming in a month and a half or so. They said, I just want to enjoy the games with my family. Loud is okay at times, but the whole game? Come on. We will be fine, and who cares about comparing to all the SEC schools I don't want to be an obnoxious SEC fan. I am a classy and gracious OU fan. And then they did a smiley face. I want this person's season tickets revoked. <laughs> Joe C, get rid of that damn person 
and people like that person from the stadium. And like, I'm not telling people how to be a fan, but holy crap, our stadium, you have Owen Stadium right behind me. If you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, it's or Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium and now Owen Field. I was going to say, so, someone's going to bring that up. It's like Owen Stadium. From the early 2000s, <clears throat> like 2000, 2001, 2002, of course, 2003, to now is depressing. It is never loud. Like the, when the head coaches have to come out and beg you to put on a performance as a crowd, that's problematic. Do, do you see other do you see other coaches in the SEC having to beg their their crowds in their student section not to leave during games? No. I'm just mad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. And there's some points where like, hey, the coach is like, Alabama's coming to town. We want to make a hostile atmosphere. And, and other schools do that too. Tennessee did it when Oklahoma went to Tennessee. They said, hey, we want to have the loudest stadium that night. And they mm-hmm. did to their credit. But the difference is, is that Oklahoma has to do it week in and week out. It's like, hey, please show up. Please be loud. Don't don't just sit down, sit on your phone, kind of disengage from the game. Because college football is all about the fans just engaging in the game. Mm-hmm. When you look on TV, you're like, oh, wow, that stadium is rocking. Like that place is wild. It's a hostile atmosphere. And it just adds to the game, adds to the narrative of, of the story. So for Oklahoma to be in this position where they have such a good program and such all this history and, and all like the, one of the nicest stadiums in college football. And now they're just like, Hey, we come be loud. Like it shouldn't be an issue. And if you like, want to enjoy your games, join them on TV. That's what I do most of the time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And it's fun. You get a better view, air conditioning, snacks whenever you want without missing the game. Air conditioning is big time, especially in those early season games. Just stay home and give tickets to somebody else that, I don't know, will be loud on third down. At the same time, there's like a misconception that being loud and obnoxious and and creating this, this college football atmosphere is somehow not classy. Like being not classy would be, you know, throwing stuff on the field, getting in fights outside the stadium before the before and after the game, that kind of stuff. LSU. Like when you go to Arkansas, I'm pretty sure Arkansas fans are like, Hey, come drink with us. But when we get in there, I'm just going to say some terrible shit to you. That's correct. And to your team. LSU will actually fight you outside the stadium. Probably. Most likely. Yes. And like, and I'm not, I'm not asking for Oklahoma fans to act like LSU fans. Right. I'm saying like, the donors and the fans that are <laughs> that are living in this Big 12 fantasy world, except for the jolt to the six and seven system that they got last year, they're going to get another jolt next year uh, as far as home and away games, especially as the opposing fan base shows up. Uh, it's and they can't play hip hop music, and we're stuck with damn crazy train. I'm I'm sorry. All right, anyways. One last thing, and this is something that I'm going to hit on with Demetric Warren. And you can think of more. You can think of more uh, more than just one. It just depends on what you think. But I want to know, as far as your your opinion, what are the qualities 
of a winning coach and the same, what are the qualities of a winning team as well? Because when you're looking to build a program or rebuild a program or have a program that's capable of winning titles, you need to have certain qualities. And so what are those qualities specifically of a coach and specifically of the team? It can be just one per or it can go more. I think as far as coaching, it's just having a standard. It's like, hey, we're going to do things this way. Uh, and if you fall outside of that, like you're, you're either not part of this team, essentially. You're going to be on the bench. We'll find a place for you elsewhere. And I think for the most part, like some people look at that and say, oh, that's just old school. Like you can't be old school and win a game. But you can have standards and adapt to today's college football. Like Bob Stoops did it. Yep. Bob Stoops had a an outrageous standard in the early 2000s. Brought in an offense that no one had ever seen or wasn't very popular at the time. Right. How and found a way to win. Yep. So I think there's like a some sort of balance between where are we going? Like what can we do in this modern era of football? But let's not sacrifice, you know, these core values. Sure. Is that your is that your coach? That's my coach. As a team, I think the best thing a team can do, and you look at like maybe the early was it early two thousands, some like nineties Miami teams that are really good. They coach themselves pretty much. Like yep. you had your coach, but when you were on the field in a game, you had dudes that were in your face. Every play, oh, we're yeah. doing this. Those you early find 2000s guys. Miami's teams, after Butch Jones left and the Miami Canes, they understood. Uh, you know, they had Larry Coker there as basically as a, a babysitter, pretty much because they would go and like punch each other and be like, Why are you not lifting? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Uh, with God, guys like Ed Reed and uh, the Blades family and that entire roster that they had going on just Clinton Portis. Um, oh gosh. Who are the other ones? Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, uh, Frank Gore, all in the backfield <laughs> at the same damn time. Uh, you had so Jonathan Vilma. You had, you had so many athletes, but held them. Like you mentioned, held themselves account accountable. Like you have guys that are just walking to people's apartments, busting on the doors. Like, Hey, it's time to go work out. It's 5 a.m. We're about to be late. You're not even out of bed. We're, we're leaving right now. And I don't think like that's going to happen in today's college football, sure. but you have to have guys that are going to be, this doesn't sound corny, but your coach on the field, like there's got to be yeah. a standard met. And I think if you look back, even a couple of years ago, like Ronnie Perkins was kind of that guy for OU. Yep. Uh-huh. As a guy's like, Hey, if you're late, you're going to deal with the coaches, but now you're going to deal with me too. So that's when I think of like a, a winning team, it's a team that just basically polices itself. Well, shit, Ronnie Perkins said he would get so mad and so worked up sometimes he'd black out. I love that. Four games. I'm going to try to do that over the weekend. <laughs> I'm going to do for that. For the 4th of July. If we go six and seven again <laughs> <laughs> for a couple weeks, who knows? Uh, but no, it's it's a good point. To bring up that self, uh, you have your own self-regulation. You don't have to have the coaches there to hold your hand and to say, this is what you need to be doing to be a great team. You also have to have your own self-accountability. 
in which the previous teams, like you mentioned, Miami, OU in the early 2000s, uh, in Miami in the early 2000s as well, they did. And th- th- these Alabama teams, heck, I don't even know if it's their pin tweet anymore, but Jalen Hurts. You talk about Nick Saban, is. and you talk about Nick Saban and the values that he has at the forefront of all those Bama players' minds. It's not about individual individualism. It's about the team. It's about holding your teammates accountable and playing in playing and practicing to the highest level. And Jalen Hurts understood that. That's why he's in the NFL right now. Well, that's uh, why he, that, he almost won the second place the MVP vote, or what was it? That was cl- he didn't win it, but he was close. But it's a, he. I mean, the man almost won a Super Bowl. You know, and. <laughs> And and so it's not it's it's not like one of those things that's just made up. It's very real. That culture has to be developed. And so right where I say, as far as winning coaches, you have to coach uh, as far as winning coaches, an attribute coaching to win. Last year, specifically with Brent. I saw times in which Oklahoma would get up by two scores in the third quarter. And then I saw them go conservative. I saw them coach not to lose and just to lean on the defense. Uh, That was very apparent. And it lost them games. Of course, it doesn't help when you go three and out, turn over, and then another three and out, right? Um, But... Coaching specifically went to win games. And this is not like, oh, this is what Brent is not doing. But it's something that's needed. You need to coach to win the game, as Herm Edwards would say. Right? You play to win the game. You got to coach to win the game. And Jimmy J- Jimmy Johnson, while he was at Miami, people took, uh, took offense to him dropping 60 points. He's like, hey, listen, we got ahead by 30-something, 30-something points on Boston College. And Doug Flutie floats a hail floats a hail mary to the end zone, and they end up winning the entire thing with the comeback. He's like, "I'm never letting that happen again. I'm doing that every time." People got pissed at Barry Switzer for the same thing, which comes to my next point as far as winning coaches: deep pockets. <laughs> Barry Switzer wore that fur coat. You can't be vanilla. You cannot be dry. You cannot be boring. Or if you are, you got to have some cash on on hand because that's the way this is trending. If you want to run a very, very, very classy program, that's awesome. Oklahoma does a really good job at the optics as far as their program, how it's run, how it looks, etc. All the optics that go into that, sure, fantastic, right? But at the same time, you need to play the game. Everybody's playing the game. You need to play it better. So with Barry Switzer going into Brian Bosworth's high school in the cafeteria with his fur coat on, screaming, I need the boss, where's the boss? And giving this man $100 handshakes with his fur coat on. I mean, that tells me a coach that A, wants to win on the football field and wants to win also off the, the football field and let that player know Hey, I'm not just investing in you on the field. 
I'm investing you in you off the field to get you on my field. And so you're going to need a coach with deep pockets or at least a coach that will make that magic happen. As kind far like as Kirby the, Smart. Gosh. Like he's not an interesting guy. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he might be in trouble, but I'm more referring to like, no one looks at Kirby Smart and like, wow, that's a cool guy. Right. But when you listen to his like pregame speech against, was it TCU? Oh my God. It's insane. At Sometimes Oklahoma, I, they have a strict no coaches cussing policy. I think you get three. Three cuss like, words. Like, like a three strike, three strike rule? Uh, no, like three per speech. Because <laughs> like, I saw that Kirby Smart that, uh, becomes... speech, and that was like, yeah, I makes get you it. Have to run through a wall. Yep. And I, I've heard people talk about Brent as being a little, a little bit long winded as far as like, sometimes when he talks, sometimes I worry about that a little bit. Does that concern you? If that's if that if that is real, bit. I just wish if that, if that is real. Go back to his just psychopath days. Oh, he still has it. He still he's he's still got it. But I yeah, mean, he does have a little bit of a little preacher in him now. Is and, and there's nothing wrong to that, but it's just like if if there are, if those reports and if those like kind of nuances are actually real, that players are kind of like maybe tuning out a little bit because of the long windedness, then that's like, that's obviously a problem. Uh, but I'm not saying that's true nor real. I'm just saying it's out there. It's been floated. You're saying Brent needs a uh, speech guy, like a pull pushback guy or pullback guy. Like a yeah, guy with a I mean, swatch. He, like, all right. He had a, he had a pullback guy at Clemson. We hit As about a defensive seven minutes on this one. If we, we keep going longer, they're going to start tuning out. It's true. It's true. And so the other thing I had to have for the the team depth, it's got to have depth. Um, it doesn't have to be amazing depth. It doesn't have to be elite depth. It's got to be quality depth. Guys that can play, that guys that you can plug in and trust. It's not guys that like, you know, you take D.D. Westbrook off the field and then you enter Hollywood Brown, right? It's not one of those situations. It's I can take a I could take uh oh uh who's a who's a recent a- example. I can take any of the five star wide receivers off the field that that Lincoln Riley ran, and I can put in Drake Stoops. Drake Stoops is reliable, yeah, reliable hands. Caught a cup. He's he's been clutch, especially in the Red River Shootout too, where Joe Mixon wilt, wilt wilted in the Red River Shootout. He had a couple of really scary plays that could have made those games go the opposite way, but they had trust in Drake Stoops, and he usually makes the right decision. And those are the kinds of quality depth guys and role guys you need, and um, and guys that you trust to make the right play with the right instance, and then. With that comes team play, and you've already kind of mentioned this. It has to be a team effort, not just on the field. Everybody understands everybody's assignments. Everybody holds everybody accountable. 
it's not just the coaches. Oh, what's Schmidt going to do to us now? We're going to run steps. Oh, what's Brent going to say now when we come to the come to the sideline? It's got to be players getting into other players' ear while they're walking to the sideline, or while they're at while they're at practice, or while they're at camp, instead of waiting to the coach to see what they're going to say. And like you already mentioned that. And so I would say it's got to be team play on the field, but also practicing and holding each other accountable like they used to. I mean, heck, I remember I remember Travis Lewis even like talking about guys um, running their cones, their cone drills or their or their uh, their sprints and guys not finishing all the way through of their sprints. Like I remember that like in the early stages of Twitter or whatever, even talking about the small details because of the things that matter the most. And so team play all the way through, all the way around. And I'm curious to see if Brent has these things this year. I'm I'm curious to see if Brent will show these, uh, what, what you've said, what I've said. I'm curious to see if, if Brent uh, shows these attributes this year, next year, already has them, has already used them. It, it, it's definitely a culture he's trying to create as far as depth, as far as team, as far as accountability, like you mentioned. Um, I, it's, it's, another, it's a conversation. We talked about it last, last week. Our stars, Brent Venables. What happens if they go, you know, ten and two this year before a bowl game, or nine and three before a bowl game, and then they go and win six or seven games in the SEC the first season? What happens? It's one of those things you have to have a conversation about. And so that'll probably be the, it's honestly the next podcast or the podcast after Demetric Warren, but it's something that needs to be discussed. But could also be something that can be discussed at length a little bit more after this coming season and on into the sec. But that's all I've got. It is 10 something, whatever 10, 10 make a wish. That's not even how it works, but do <laughs> you have anything else have uh, left to say? I mean, before we podcast, we heard about turnip seed and said, all right, let that guess we're podcasting. Like, soon and we got all that dropped on us but you had in that information way before we started even podcasting and then it became very real right before we podcasted like i think what 10 to 15 minutes the news became public despite the fact that you were like "Mm, there might be some news around three or four o'clock and then of course, I saw you back channeling, you know, <laughs> five, Couldn't six, seven o'clock, much, et cetera. Yeah. In most scenarios, yeah, you didn't, you didn't I can usually to let, let people know. And when I do, it's going to be on Discord. So join the Discord. It's free. Uh, there's like 200 members in there. We're always talking football recruiting. Uh, recruiting is about to probably catch up probably next week. It's gonna, everything's going to start speeding up for OU recruiting. So now's a great time to join. Uh there's always a link below the podcast. If you don't see one, you can just DM one of us. Yeah. Uh, like on Twitter or whatever, I always post the podcast on Apple. And right next to it, the reply right beneath it is the link tree. And it has the Discord invite. All you have to do is press the Discord the Discord uh, little image. Um, 
It's also in the bio of the podcast itself. Uh, you just go to, it just says this discord link and it's right there. It's good. And like Steven said, it's, uh, it's July media days ramping up. That means football season ramping up. You're seeing a lot of guys and how their measurements are coming out now, as far as where they were before the season or before uh, off season or where they are right now going into the season. How much bigger do they get? What number do they change to? Are they faster, etc.? Because we saw a picture of Dasan McCullough. Holy crap, he looks huge. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where football season is going to be here before you know it. And so getting in that discord, I would highly recommend that as well. And like Steven said, if you miss out on the link, just ask us for one of it. Be more than happy to provide you with that link so you can blast it out to others as well. So I think that about wrap us up. You guys can follow us on on Twitter. You can follow Steven at OUPDATEDSB. You can follow me at Kamiar Moravian at, Kami, uh, at K underscore Moravian. Uh, go ahead, uh, raise a five star on any podcast platform. We have a lot of Apple podcast uh, uh, listeners. You need to get some more Spotify listeners going on. I'm, I'm surprised by the, the lack of Spotify listeners or users, I suppose, because a lot of people do have iPhones these days, which makes does make sense. But I'm a Spotify user. Are you? Yeah. My wife is Spotify. I'm, I'm Apple, so it's pretty. It's, it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting uh, kind of thing. We we can't like send songs to each other to listen because it's not that's not always free or well, it's not free anyways. But whatever. I'm just gonna send up the, the Spotify link from now on. It's probably a good idea. But anyways, everybody listening, thanks for listening as always, and we will certainly check you guys later. <laughs>